0: Welcome to the Audit 15 Fun Podcast. My goal with this podcast is to bring relevant internal audit topics to the table at least every 15 days. Today, we're going to be talking about root cause analysis. And to talk about that topic, I have Duke Oakes as my guest. Duke has been in private practice since 1985, specializing in quality management methods. He's the author of three books on quality, including root cause analysis, the core of problem solving and corrective action. Since 2004, he has conducted hundreds of root cause analysis workshops for organizations in manufacturing, financial services, healthcare, research, and government. He joins us today from Tennessee, where he and Zoom are continuing his quest to help organizations deal with the difficulties of Process Management. Welcome, Duke, to, to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on. Great, John. Same here. Absolutely. So, well, I will try to relate this to internal auditors and <laughs> in my experience in internal audit and root cause analysis. So I'll start with uh, something that I've heard in the past from uh, colleagues, coworkers. Uh, and it's the following statement. You know, they we, we start a project. We start looking at... Different areas of an organization. And, you know, someone may come to me and say, Yeah, I already know what the issues are here without even looking at it, without even auditing. I know what the issues are. (laughs) I even had a a situation in which uh, we were auditing overseas and someone said to me, I knew that they were going to get an unsatisfactory result even before I put my foot on that plane. So, from your perspective as a root cause analysis expert, how do you address those people, those professionals
1: who they jumped to conclusions. How, what's your response to those statements? Well, my initial response would be to go back to the principles of auditing. One of which is objectivity. That is, if you don't have good, hard evidence for something, uh, you you probably need to, need to slow down. Uh, so I would remind them of the principles of auditing. And if we're performing an audit or an investigation. Uh, we obviously have developed some kind of a plan and we need to stick to that plan. Uh, now that doesn't say I'm going to ignore any information they might have. So I might ask them, well, why do you think, you know, you know, what if, what information do you have? Uh, and, and is that something we should use or not? Uh, so I don't want to throw them off, but by the same token, I want to make sure to slow them down and get them to realize that this needs to be an objective audit, uh, follow the plan, and uh, we'll be a lot more likely to be able to convince people of what information we present in the audit report. Absolutely, definitely agree. And
0: I think that's something that internal auditors, some internal auditors struggle more than others, moving from the what, what's the situation to the why, right, As, as you're saying. What's the root cause for this? So, and you know, I think some people might have heard of the five wise methodology for root cause analysis. From your experience and uh, you know, definitely, uh, you have a book on the
1: topic. What are some of your preferred methods to perform root cause analysis? Well, I have my own 10 step model that I present in the book and the first five steps are the diagnostic steps. And basically they are the scientific method, you know, define the problem. Uh, then think about how the process was supposed to work And process can be, uh, an administrative process. It could be the steps that a person is supposed to go through. It could be the sequence of piece of equipment goes through or whatever. Uh, so number one, what's the problem? Number two, how is it supposed to happen or go? Then number three, within that process. What are some possible causes? Then four, what data or evidence can we collect that will allow us to test those causes? And then step five is when you interpret that data, what does it tell you uh, is or is not the cause? And then you match five whys. And so when we get to step five, we're basically only down one level in many cases, and we're gonna go back to step one and redefine the problem as, oh, this is why it happened now let's find out why that happened so we sort of iterate over and over until we get down to a level that we believe is deep enough based on the risks of that particular event so for, from your experience i
0: definitely love that method the what the how how did how is this possible what evidence data do you have and then you kind of go back and then you have the why, and you go back. So, from your experience, how many times would you have to do that until you actually get to the root root cause of an issue? Just in general, I
1: know it's kind of a hard question to ask. Yeah. To, well, and it depends on the environment you're in or the type of problem you're dealing with. Uh, I can remember an internal audit in which it was a a, uh, a training deficiency that is someone had not been trained for the position they were in, and it only required two levels. So. You know, why weren't they trained? Well, either the training hasn't been held or the training has been held, but they weren't uh, scheduled to attend it, or it was held, they were scheduled to attend it, but they were not able to attend due to, you know, maybe a medical event or something. And then we determine, well, the training has not been held. Okay. So you ask why, and it turns out they had a policy in the organization that you don't hold classroom training unless there are at least eight people will be in the classroom. Now they only had three people they needed to train. So it's a a catch 22, you know? So we immediately went within two Y's to a policy level issue that needed to be changed. By the same token, I could give you many, many situations where it is probably at least eight or nine, maybe 10 different levels. And that's the type of situation where we start with. A product problem, and that product problem is created by a particular piece of equipment, and then on that particular piece of equipment, why did it create that problem and so we drill down, 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 or we eventually find out that well, it's not being maintained properly or uh whatever it might be uh again, a policy issue in one case where uh they had replaced an m r o item on a piece of equipment, maintenance, repair, and operations item. And it turns out the organization had a policy that you buy MRO items at the lowest possible cost. Sound logical, right? Well, (laughs) what they didn't know is the vendor of the machine that they purchased had modified one of the items on that machine that was an MRO item. Uh, and so when they started buying from another vendor, of these MRO items, they weren't getting the equivalent unit, and it caused the machine to operate improperly and and create a defective product. So again, it was that policy, but it took a lot of different whys to get down to that level. Very, very good. So
0: thinking about the examples, I'm sure you have many examples, you know, based on the number of years of experience that you have. Are there any other, maybe just case studies, examples that you can share, like big dollar savings, obviously keeping everything confidential, company, name of employees and so forth. Any like success stories that you can share?
1: Probably the biggest one that I can remember because I was personally, I I personally conducted the investigation. Whereas in many other cases, I'm simply teaching other people how to do it where I may be facilitating. So I'll give you two. One was when I was an employee in the automotive industry, uh, a machine that had been producing defective product for a long time, I finally learned one simple statistical technique. And when I applied that, it instantly pointed me to where the problem had to be. Not what the cause was, but the problem has to be in this area. So I asked an engineer to do some calculations and go. we found it. And so they spent $70,000, I think, replacing some tooling on the machine. Uh, the payback was within probably about a month and a month and a half. So I think the savings were on the order of $40 million a year. Uh, so, so, I mean, that one really sort of <laughs> taught me the value of data and how you interpret that data. Uh, another very interesting one was a. A company had an IT project and there are lots and lots of these out there that have been going on for five or six years and they had spent uh, somewhere along the same lines in dollars, let's say $6 million or so on this project. And it basically was a failure. And so they uh, asked one of the people who was in my recalls analysis course that i had done for the company to perform an investigation, figure out why that project failed. Well, it turns out everybody knew it was going to fail in the beginning. The vendor uh, that was doing a lot of the programming told them it wouldn't work. Uh, the project team told them it wouldn't work, but, uh, the management team just basically ignored it. Now they were, it was a catch 22 because it was a government uh, mandate that they convert from one system to another, but, uh, they were not going to be able to port the data across from one system, uh, to the, to the new one. And so, uh, it was, it was a major event in the sense of not only was the cost horrendous and and no payback on this one, but, uh, the fact that many of the project managers and project members were no longer there, just getting your hands on all the information, uh, over the years and trying to figure it out. And the, the individual who performed the actual investigation really got stressed out that I can understand. I was. I was glad that I was not the lead on that. I was simply the facilitator who kept telling the individual, well, you need to look at this and this. Uh, But I really learned a lot from that about the complexity of what I'll call non-physics oriented calls analysis, more human behaviors.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's very interesting. It kind of ties to my next question here. So sometimes, you know, you look at a process and you have a project and maybe like, project management was the issue, like uh-huh. people involved in that process may be the issue. So my question here is, how do you know that you actually, you know, arrived at a root cause of the issue? Like you, you, go through that process maybe once, twice, three, four times. How do you know at what point, okay, this is my root cause and I'll stop.
1: And this is what it is. How, at what point do you know? Yeah, I have multiple answers to that. One is what's the lowest level at which you have control. The real root cause may be outside our control. As a matter of fact, I sometimes joke that I had a uh, Ford Explorer one time that wouldn't start. And I blamed it on Henry Ford's mother, because if she hadn't had Henry Ford, there wouldn't have been a Ford Motor Company and there wouldn't have been a Ford Explorer. Uh, a little bizarre, but you understand what I'm saying is you can always ask why again, but where does my control stop? Well, my control stops with that particular vehicle and what can I do to prevent that particular issue from occurring again on that specific vehicle? So the same way in an organization, it may be an issue that's caused by a vendor, but I can't control that vendor. I might be able to influence it, but I can't control it. Um, the real answer for how you know it's a root cause, excuse me, Is, is the organization going to be doing something differently in the future? That is, is the action that we're going to take as a result of this investigation, something that means we will be doing something that we have not done previously? Is it going to be either a new process or a change to a process rather than just fixing the problem? So that's really the, the better answer, but sometimes we don't have that, uh, that option. Very, very
0: good. Definitely lowest level within your control. Uh-huh. Very good. I think that's a great takeaway for the internal out there. And once you point out the root cause, are people going to do something different? Then yeah, maybe you really got to the root cause <laughs> probably for a good chance. Yeah. yeah. So thinking about, you know, root cause analysis and different methods, are there any types of methods that you're like, eh, maybe these are not as helpful as people may think. Any Anything that you would consider not to be as helpful as other methods?
1: Uh, I wouldn't say not as helpful, but not as powerful maybe. Uh, one of my favorite tools is what I call a logic tree, which is sort of a fault tree analysis without the and and or gates and the probabilities. So it takes the cause and effect relationship and digs down into it a level at a time. So conceptually, it's like the five whys, only we're doing it with a diagram that says, okay, here's a problem at this level. There are three possible causes. Let me see if I can rule any of those out. The ones that are left over, we are going to drill down under those and so on. But <clears throat> for a lot of problems, we don't need something that complex. Uh, and so, uh, five Y's might've been fine in the case of the, uh, training issue that I mentioned earlier for a lot of auditors, since we're already working at a process level, that is in the case that I mentioned earlier, where it's a product problem, then a machine problem, <clears throat> then a process problem. Uh, you know, we have to get down to that process level before we can find the root cause. And so. Auditors are usually working at the process level to begin with, and so there's maybe less of a need for a logic tree, and in that case, the fishbone uh, is probably the more popular tool, although I think the five Ms or six Ms, whatever people normally see, might not be the best fit for internal auditing. Maybe they need to come up with their own categories of causes based on their environment. Very good, very good. So don't overcomplicate,
0: right? (laughs) Don't uh, try to uh, overcomplicate and have really sophisticated uh, processes for something that maybe is just uh, more simple. So um, anyways, thank you so much, Duke, for uh, your time on the podcast. Really appreciate. For those who want to connect with you, what is the best way for them to connect with you,
1: learn about you, you know, get in touch with you on root cause analysis. Uh, My email address is one way. So Duke Oaks, D-U-K-E, O-K-E-S at gmail.com. Or just Google my name, Duke Oaks, and you'll run into my website, applement.com. Or I'm obviously on LinkedIn. So that's an easy way to find me. All right. Thank you so much.